Today on the news and why it matters, uh, the leader of ISIS killed after U.S. forces cornered him, and WAPO is kind of sad about it. Uh, also, President Trump got booed at the Nationals game, and then they lost. Got a lot to get into, and it starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. Happy Monday. I am Sarah Gonzalez today here with the one and only Stuber here. Lucky me. <laughs> I was thinking that too, but I didn't want, I thought it would be rude yeah, if I said it. If you said it, it would yeah. be yeah. uh, Conservative commentator Grant Stinchfield, thanks for uh, being back. It's good to be here. And uh, chief researcher of the Glenn Beck program, Jason Buttrell. Thanks for being here as well. You are going to come in really key today. I figured as much. Yeah, I'm going to ask you <laughs> to kind of break down all of this uh, this ISIS stuff here in a second. But first, we want to thank our sponsor, American Financing. So interest rates are really good right now. We don't know when that's going to uh, when that's going to change, but could be tomorrow. I don't know. So if you need to maybe refinance your house or you're looking at buying a house, whatever the case may be that you're going to need that loan, American Financing is the first place you need to call. Uh, they have salary-based professionals. They're not commission-based. So they're not just trying to look at the numbers and crunch them in order to see how they're going to get the best kickback for them. They're actually in it to help you. They answer all of the questions that you have. They want to put you in uh, a solution that is actually reasonable and good for your family, unlike what Stu likes to do which is just really insane, irresponsible loans. Mm -hmm. They told him no. But if you, if you take the loan and then you put it all in black and it comes out on black, then you, double, <laughs> you just pay it all back and you get to keep the rest. Awesome. They wouldn't let you do that. No, they wouldn't let me do that. They <laughs> wouldn't. They, they truly are. They, are. they are the responsible place to go. Uh, you got to go to AmericanFinancing.net or you can call 800-906-2440. That is American financing.net. They are the only ones we trust here at, uh, at the Blaze. So, uh, Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi. Did I say that right, Jason? Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr. <laughs> this looks like Bakar. You know what? I'm not going to pronounce your name correctly, <laughs> all right? Um, so, he is dead now. So, he was cornered by U.S. forces and ended up detonating a suicide vest yeah. and killing himself. He was the leader of ISIS. Uh, being that you are former military, why don't you break it down for us on why this was uh, so important? Well, um, first off, uh, before I get into that, it's just, uh, it, it was a great operation. Uh, Delta Force uh, Rangers did an outstanding job. I know multiple, uh, uh, both Delta and Rangers, and they're insanely awesome people. And you'll never hear about them bragging about this anywhere, which is another awesome thing. There'll probably be, never will be a movie or a book deal because they're going to keep it just between them. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, we know it, attack helicopters took off from Mobile, northern uh, Iraq, uh, which is the autonomous Kurdistan area. And so we worked with the Kurds there. We also worked with the, uh, the Kurds that are in Syria. They, uh, we were working, we had a spy that was still in ISIS who was working with the Kurds and they were feeding us that intel. So it also shows that the relationship between the Kurds and the US is still somewhat stable, mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so there's that. Um, I, it sounded like it's, it's hard to say because the reports were kind of all over the place, but it sounded like this might have been like a nine-hour operation and involving around 200 American troops. Uh, the vast majority of them probably were Rangers uh, providing security on the ground. Can't say enough about the Rangers. They're just outstanding. Um, this is very, very important. This is uh, uh, Baghdadi was chosen for a reason. 
not chosen by any kind of higher power. He was, cho well, maybe the devil, but, um, <laughs> but he was chosen by the people that he spent time with in Camp Buka. That was the, uh, you know, the U.S. Detain detention center. And um, he was a th street thug. Uh, he, had gone, he was a street thug that had gone to seminary, basically. Was not overly smart in uh, any kind of you know, theology or religion or anything like that. Um, so the, we remember when we were studying this at the time, we are like, this, this is very strange that this guy ascended. It didn't make any sense. Um, it came out later that he was helping write some of the radical ideology that they were going to base this off of. Does that mean they all believed in it? Some of them did, but I don't think any of the leaders, hardly any of them did. Hmm. Most of them were former Ba'athist Iraqi uh, officers, intelligence officers, uh, their special forces, um, those guys. And I've been on the ground in Iraq and I've seen some of the things that they've done and there's no way in hell that some random guys that came over from all parts of the, of the world came and just figured out how to do some of this stuff. They were following military doctor and they were following advanced like um, uh, Mao type mm. insurgency type tactics. And that all came from Saddam's army. It all came from all of them. Um, so it was very, very strange that he got picked. Well, he got picked because of his last name, pretty much. And his lineage went back to the same tribe that Muhammad came from. It was the Quraysh tribe. And so if you're going to be the next caliph that they're going to mark on their list as he is next in line, the official caliph that's supposed to take us, you know, through to the end of the world, which is what they believed, then you need a guy from that tribe. He just happened to have that lineage. So they stuck him in, the, in that position. I don't think he ever really fully commanded as they kind of portrayed him to be uh, the ISIS army. I don't, I don't really think. I think the Ba'athists and the uh, jihadists that were in lead with the Ba'athists, the former Saddam military, they're the ones that mostly did it. Um, that kind of goes towards, we know around August of this year, as he went off into Western Syria, he basically put the entire operation under the guy that just the, they just announced had taken over from Baghdadi. I can't remember his name, but he's another former Saddam military. It's incredibly ironic. You know, the, we, we did the policy where we, you know, said, uh, you know, you guys, we don't need your army anymore. We split that up. That was a very, very bad decision under the, under the Bush administration. Um, then they kind the, the army, as we thought we had defeated them, they kind of went out and dispersed. They, went, they linked up with some of these jihadist groups. His army just came back and tried to take the country back, took a large portion of it back. And that fight is still going on today. Um, it's, just, it's just an insane development how that all went, went down. But um, so the guy that's taking over now, he is running day-to-day -day operations. You will not see anything change as far as day-to-day -day operations in, in Iraq and Syria. As far as what ISIS was doing a few months ago, they're going to do the exact same thing now. It's not a whole lot, but they are still active. Do you know what, what Baker al-Baghdadi, I'll call him Baker because I'm not. Yeah, I'm right? like, just like George Bush the first, <laughs> you know, Baker al-Baghdadi. Um, you talked about him writing some of this radical ideology. Yeah. What ISIS did, as opposed to Al-Qaeda, was transform their media penetration into places like the United States to radicalize mm -hmm. future holy warriors to literally come to places yeah. like Syria and Iraq and, and other places to, to wage war against the United States. And he was instrumental in, in radicalizing Americans and others to wage war on our homeland yeah. uh, against American citizens. Over so, 2,000 deaths because of this ideology. Yeah, so don't underestimate his writings. He knew exactly what he was doing. And you said whether he believed him or not, he knew exactly what he was doing, what would manipulate the minds of young people to go after their own kind. And that's a very good point because uh, symbolic, so there, all of the people that were rushing in to join this because they thought this was you know, the time to take them to the end times, all the people that are rushing onto that, 
his death now gives them pause because now they're led by a guy that's a former Saddam, uh, you know, Bathist. Like they were pretty much atheists. Uh, they didn't care. They weren't religious in the, in the slightest. So now, uh, now you had all these people. They're like, hey, let's join in and join with the caliph. Now they don't have that anymore. I would say that is the most significant thing as far as the development of this. They have lost a significant ideological weapon that they can use all over the world. Will they still be a terror in, the, in their country? Absolutely, they will be. It's like losing the leader of a cult. Yeah, yeah. Literally losing the leader of a cult, because that's what it is. Mm. They make these false promises of, you join us, we're on the right side, and you'll get salvation, and you're however many virgins. When you lose the leader, and the guy that came up with all of this, this ideology that would go right to the minds of these manipulatable youngsters mm -hmm. to literally kill Americans... Um, and other non-believers. You didn't just have to be an American. All you just had to be was a non-believer. Um, good riddance to this guy. Yeah. Absolutely. Still? I think, yeah, I mean, you guys pretty much covered it. I'll just say that I think there's an interesting part of, like, you know, Baghdadi didn't have the name brand recognition as of uh, an Osama bin Laden. But they, he brought it, he ushered in a different type of terrorism in, in some ways where, uh, you know, you think of, like, from American terms, you have, like, Tim, Mc, Tim McVeigh, who kills a bunch of people in this big, broad attack. That's sort of like Osama bin Laden. Where, like, you know, a serial killer is more like what we saw from Baghdadi when it comes to the way he presented his terror. He was widespread, of course, over there. But, I mean, we're talking about very personal attacks. It was, it was you know, decapitating people while they were alive, lighting people on fire while they were alive, drowning them in cages, electrocuting them. Um, things that were incredibly personal. Instead of hiding that violence and trying to make an argument that they were the good people, mm -hmm. they promoted it. They put it on social media. They let everyone see it as much as possible. It was sort of a different tactic, and and um, and and is just, you know, obviously just as terrifying in a totally different way. He deserves to have that name brand recognition of Osama bin Laden. He was just yeah. as bad, mm -hmm. um, and you know what he did to. I mean, we talk about the Me Too movement quite a bit. Uh, it's a shocking thing when you know the media would be. Would, would 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 recognize any good in a person like this. I mean, this is someone who is responsible for thousands and thousands of rapes and murders of women, imprisoning them all over the Middle East, taking an entire group of people, many of which who actually had gained some freedom, and putting them back in chains. Uh, you know, just a horrible human being, and we're, we're glad to be rid of him. The, 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 the difference between ISIS and al-Qaeda is very significant to the people that study you know, global terrorism uh, and Islam, even, because al-Qaeda, how they were, is they didn't believe, believe the caliphate should be established right now. They believed they had to cause a lot of terror, break up a lot of the old you know, ways of doing things in the Middle East. Then later, eventually, they would return to the caliphate. But something Baghdadi was like, well, let's say the world is prepared right now. Let's just establish it right now. That's why they started taking territory. Al-Qaeda never did that. They had little bitty swaths of protected zones, but they never said, they never had the balls to say, okay, now is the time for the caliphate. And it, it really makes you wonder, you know, things ramp up. They very rarely scale back down. You know, who will be the next group to say, yeah, like this, now is the time for the caliphate? It, it probably will be continued on by remnants of the people that are left over that, you know, helped run ISIS. Can, can you put the headline back up from the, the Washington Yeah, well, that's, so, that's what I, so that's what we're going to next. So uh, now that we've kind of heard who this guy was, objectively, right? <laughs> These are things that he's actually done, objectively speaking. Let's talk about the Washington Post and uh, how they decided to cover his death. Their headline reads uh, his name, Abu, we'll call him Baker. There you go, <laughs> Grant. Baker al-Baghdadi, yeah. al austere religious scholar. 
uh, at helm of Islamic State, dies at 48. Mm, what a shame. That's terrible. Grant? You want to talk about media malpractice. This is the kind of thing that gets me so angry about what's going on in America today. Baker al-Baghdadi would have liked nothing more than to take every reporter from the Washington Post, march them out onto the beaches of California and lop all their heads off. Every single one of them. And they write religious scholar at the helm of Islamic State. And if you notice, it's under obituaries. Like, this is a freaking news story. Not an obituary. It wasn't like as the CEO of some major company. He was the leader of one of the worst terrorist groups on the face of this earth who wanted nothing more than every American dead. Religious scholar? It's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> we had a, a, a couple tweets that uh, we saw that we thought were funny. So, of course, everyone had shared Grant's opinion. Mm -hmm. This was, it was awful. It was media malpractice. It was just, I mean, you couldn't even fathom this. So the uh, hashtag WAPO death notices started trending. <laughs> Let's go through a couple of them. Jesse Kelly, our friend, good friend of the show, Jesse Kelly said, Jeffrey Dahmer, lover of exotic cuisine, dies at 34. See, leave it to Jesse Kelly. Like, I love that guy. I, I know him very well. Yeah. He's come on my show over at NRA TV. And, and you see how upset I was, like, getting, and, and talking about the watch. And I, I'm literally upset about it. Yeah. But I need that for I Jesse. know, I know. I, I need that. I really do. To bring me back, you know. You gotta laugh so you don't cry. Exactly. Right? Or, or your head explodes. One, <laughs> one of the two of those. Uh, Selena Zito said, John Wilkes Booth, a noted thespian, American actor, and member of a prominent theatrical family, dead at 26. Aww, oh, that's a bummer. That's a big bummer. Let's read the next one. Most of the time, Twitter sucks, but this was a good day for Twitter. Yeah. It really was. It, well. it really was. Uh, Darth Vader. <laughs> Disabled single father of two passes away. That's a bummer, gosh. And then a uh, host of uh, Pseudo Intellectual with Lauren Chen. She is on Blaze TV, Blaze TV host as well. You got to check her program out. She said, Adolf Hitler, dedicated art enthusiast, animal rights activist, and talented orator, dies at 56. Mm, bummer. And I think we got one more here. Osama bin Laden, father of 23, killed in home invasion. <laughs> you got you got to hate it when stuff like that happens. But real, I mean, I'm glad that they made light of it. Yeah. But none of that was I mean, none of that was a stretch from what Wapo did. Right? Like that's No, it was the same. It thing. sounds ridiculous yes. when you're reading them and you're like, "No, this is exactly what they did." Well, I don't know what is with the Washington Post lately. I mean, it's absolutely, we're doing a special on Wednesday, uh, Glenn is, and we're looking at some of the ways they've tried to attack the whole Ukraine theory, uh, you know, that we've been, some of the things we've been saying, and people like John Solomon, and it is absolutely insane. Like, telling one side of the story and burying the other side, or completely, complete misdirection. Other, in other cases, just a blatant lie. And I don't, and I'm not even, typically, you know, I don't know, you'd think there would be a scattershot of stuff like this. Yeah. But I haven't been seeing as much of that, like, from New York Times or any other places. But President Trump accuses the media of being an enemy of the state. What else do you call calling Baker al-Baghdadi a religious right. scholar? The, you don't get any more enemy of the United States than al-Baghdadi. And, and you call him a religious scholar. That is the definition of enemy of the United States. What is the Washington Post doing? I don't know. Let's do a last word. 
Look, I mean, this is the we've ex- come to expect this from the media, and they they continue to deliver. Um, you know, it's funny because you see this where I think when you know Osama bin Laden dies during the Obama administration, it's the one day where I feel like mm-hmm. conservatives were like, I can give you seven years and three hundred sixty four crappy days of the yeah. Obama administration. That's one good one. We came together. Uh, we came together and like, said, yeah, look, this is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can go back and forth about how they took credit for it mm-hmm. and how it was the toughest decision in five hundred years, which I'll never understand from Joe Biden. Uh, but I mean, the the, the truth is like we were all happy when this guy was finally brought to justice and it does not seem like the same thing's happening now that trump is in charge and a guy who is just as big an enemy of the united states is brought to justice in the same way i think they're ignoring the story because they don't want any successes under president trump and make no mistake this is delta forces success yes president trump made the call any good man's gonna make that call and so this delta forces those guys are unbelievably great. They are. And before we go, I will say there was a big difference in President Trump's speech that he gave and President Obama's speech, I thought. He he did give credit. Mm-hmm. He, he gave yeah. credit where credit was due. He gave credit to the Delta Forces. He did not try to make it sound like he was the one who did everything. So I was pleased uh, to see that. Totally. Uh, all right. Speaking of President Trump, he got booed at uh, at one of the World Series games. And apparently there's a Trump curse. I don't know. We'll get into it when we come back. <laughs> Your bed sheets. Uh, I know. Wonderful. Thank you for asking. Are they? <laughs> they are. Okay. Thank well, you for you're welcome. Um, <laughs> so I know we. Are they clean? Yes. <laughs> Once every three years. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> talk about <laughs> your pillows, right? When you're talking about comfort in your bed, you're talking about your pillows. You're talking about your mattress. But we usually forget about bed sheets, and that can make a huge difference if you've got like cheap bed sheets that maybe they they get really hot and like sticky on you mm-hmm. and then you don't sleep well and you wake up in the middle of the night. Bed sheets are a big deal. That's why you need to get Bowl and Branch. Uh, they are the softest and most comfortable sheets in the entire world, I'm telling you. Uh, they have been the only bedding loved by three U.S. presidents. Okay, that's there you go. That should sell it for you. Uh, they are 100% pure organic cotton. It is soft right out of the box. They actually get softer when you wash them. Um, they're very light ultra soft. You're not going to get hot. You're not going to be kicking off the covers because you wake up in the middle of the night and you're super hot. Uh, You're not going to do that. So for a limited time, you can get their luxury flannel bedding. It's getting to be that time of year, even here in Texas. It's getting to be a little bit chillier. All right. So you got to get their luxury flannel bedding to keep you cool sleepers warm. And because they breathe, keep the warm sleepers cool. Uh, It's ethically made, no harmful chemicals, pesticides, GMOs. So, you know, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing is outsourced. Bolin Brand is committed to the welfare of their, their employees, and they were the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linens. That's awesome. So shipping is always free. You can try it out for 30 nights risk-free. Who does that? Who's like, here, you can try these bed sheets out for 30 nights, and if you don't like them, return them. Bolin Branch does it. Right now, you can get $50 off your first shut First set of sheets. First set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com with promo code matters. That is bowl and branch, B O L L and branch.com. Promo code matters. Get $50 off. Hurry up and get it before it gets too cold because uh, I know we are about to hit that season. So <clears throat> the Nationals, what, was this the first game? No, no, game five. Game, oh, God. I'm really into baseball, yeah. you guys. <laughs> I have been so. keeping up with it so well. Uh, so the Nationals and the Astros played. I knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, last night, and President Trump was there. He was announced. 
Here is uh, what happened when he was announced at the game. You sure they're not booing John Ratcliffe? That's, I think that's more of a rat. So that was, of course, uh, the crowd booing and then chanting, lock him up. It's Washington, so it's not shocking. Yeah. Right? 79% uh, Democrat, 5.9% Republican yeah. in, the, in that area. I mean, you know, of course, people from all around. And, and so how much were seats to get into that game? So who do you think's at that game? A bunch of deep state Washington insiders <laughs> that hate everything about President Trump. And I love John Ratcliffe, by the way. I was just making a joke. <laughs> him. Is, that, is that the Steve Carell? Does he look like Steve he Carell? He kind of does look like yeah, Steve Carell. Yeah, I thought Steve Carell was yeah. hanging with, uh, with Trump, and that was going to be surprising. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, this is exactly what I was just saying, right? Like, you don't even get one day. Right. You think if Trump, Donald Trump's going to go to a game, he, he's not an idiot. He knows a lot of people don't like him. Um, so he, he might get booed anytime he goes out in public, right, in, in, a, in an uncontrolled environment. However, on the one freaking day where we've killed the world's greatest uh, terrorist, uh, the world's biggest threat when it comes to ISIS and all that stuff, you'd think this would be the one day we could all come together and be like, all right, like, hey, like, thank, I'm glad we got right. this done. Because, you know, look, say what you want about Trump. I mean, he's done a, a lot when it comes to ISIS. I mean, he's, he's been very successful in this area. Um, and it was at the time of the election, one of the biggest things like, you know, we kind of it fades from memory because success has a way of doing that. Right. Like you when you when you succeed and you and you have a lot of progress in an area, it's, it becomes a lower priority. And in a way, it sort of hurts you yep. um, politically. But I mean, this is just silly. Like, I mean, the guy deserves, a, you know, a round of applause. I'm not going to get too excited about it. Who really cares what the Washington Nationals uh, baseball uh, you know, uh, stadium is going to say about your presidency? It doesn't really matter. But it is very typical of what you'd expect these days. What a difference the country from when Bush threw his pitch out yeah. after 9-11 to now. Mm. Like, and you can, if you remember then, it was, like, it was very similar. It was a very resist-type mm-hmm. you know, atmosphere at the time. Every, every, like Saturday Night Live was, had just completely stopped doing both sides, and they were just you know, hitting on Well, that was right Bush. after 9-11. 11, though, wasn't it? I mean, um, it was pretty, I mean, it was, he was yeah. still at 90% approval rating like times a, at that point. I know, but it's like, I, but nowadays, I don't even think it'd be yeah. the same. Well, you know, I was at the last Ranger game at the ballpark in Arlington this yeah, season, and, and George Bush was there, yeah. and he got a standing ovation yeah, that went on and yeah. on, and, and still, and so, you know, I think a lot has to do with where you are. We're in the middle of Texas here, yeah. and, and, you know, they love George Bush. There, you're in the middle of Washington, the swamp where they hate President Trump. If President Trump was here at a Cowboy game, he'd get a standing O. I promise you he would. Yep. yep. Well, it, good thing was also the Yankees lost that game, which was important. Which was not a good thing, no, because I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> well, Thank it, you for bringing that up. It wasn't just the people in the ballpark. It was also Twitter, who apparently criticized him because he didn't bring his son. I mean, it's like he can't do anything right in their eyes. Uh, there was one guy who said, wait, did Trump really not bring Barron to the game or his grandchildren? Uh, <laughs> Stupid. Another one, a father not taking his son to a baseball game, let alone a World Series game, is perhaps the worst oh, indictment God. of a family man I've ever heard. I have a feeling Trump could have gotten Barron a ticket if he got tickets for Scalise and Gates. Maybe Barron just doesn't like baseball. Exactly. Do you think maybe that it's so dangerous there with the booze that President Trump was wearing a bulletproof vest while he's there into a hostile environment in the middle of Washington with terrorist threats all over the place? Do you really want to bring your kid into that situation? 
It's a great no, point. I wouldn't. Weird criticism, man. It, it's, it's like, like you know, know, it's late night. Maybe he doesn't stay up that late. Right. I, I don't know. I mean, like, there's a hundred million reasons. Plus, like, I know if I were president of the United States in this environment, I wouldn't want my kids out doing anything. There was, I heard from people, there was a big fear. There was credible threats against President Trump and the fact that they, they were very concerned to the point where he had a bigger bulletproof vest on him than normal at that game. I mean, it was... Mm. It was a heavy vest he was wearing because they were so concerned about threats against him. Gosh. All right, well, take that truth, stupid Twitter trolls. I, t- I tell Back you, in a minute. oh yeah. I tell you what, though, they found the perfect hex. So if, if they, if if we've stumbled across something, I want President Trump. Before we go, uh, don't forget Glenn's next chalkboard special on Ukraine. It is coming up. When is it, Jason? Wednesday? Wednesday, 7.30. And what can they, I mean, it's huge, right? Yeah, I mean, ever since Glenn exposed everything about the Ukraine stuff, what Democrats were doing, the media has gone a full-fledged assault, you know, to try and disprove a lot of the things. When we started looking into it, we were shocked about how misleading and how much they're just lying about it, just straight lying. But instead of just telling you that, we're going to show you exactly. We're going to show you our research and how we came to our conclusions. Yeah, you're not going to get it uh, over in the mainstream media. You're only going to get it here at Blaze TV. Uh, you can use promo code NEWS, get $10 off of an annual subscription if you have not subscribed yet. You can go back, you can re-watch the last Chalkboard special so that you're caught up to date uh, whenever this Chalkboard special happens on Wednesday. But you got to go to blazetv.com. Hey, stay tuned. Subscribers, Overtime starts next. Up next, enjoy bonus Overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Joe Biden uh, stumping in South Carolina. He participated in the Second Step Presidential Justice Forum, and he was asked by an African-American woman what advice he would give to her about being pulled over by a police officer. Had kind of an interesting response that raised a few eyebrows. Here's what he had to say. Pulled over for routine traffic stops and end up dead. If I were your daughter, what advice would you give me the next time I am stopped by the police? If you were my daughter, you'd be a Caucasian girl and you wouldn't be pulled over. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's wrong. That is what's wrong. There is institutional racism that still exists. And what it should require is every police department in America should have to go through what they used to call back when I first got started in the women's movement, sensitivity training. So if he couldn't see her, he was making a a pretty big, bold... Yeah, I mean, I'm not, so he's what well, he's obviously shading his eyes because the light. <laughs> the so light you, if yeah. anyone's been on stage, you look out, you can't see the audience, right? right? right. So he's trying to trying to see, but that's. Ridiculous right there on so many fronts. Like, first off, he's indicting all police officers that they're racist. Second front is that so no Caucasian women have ever been pulled over. I'm no, sure you can never. find an awful lot of white women that have been pulled over by police. Uh, well, we get pulled over. Uh, yeah. We just don't get a ticket. 
And then, <laughs> <laughs> is that true? And look no. at you. you you're a you good cryer. I get to play both. You get to do both. She gets to do the I'm identifying as thing. I right? do. Like, yeah, you're, absolutely. You're I'm like Rachel Dolezal yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the George Zimmerman, but I didn't kill anyone. <laughs> yeah, okay, good job. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, knowing his audience is actually kind of a funny line. Like, But it's funny. He's so in- unintentionally funny. Like, I don't think yes. he meant it as a I funny don't know line. Either. He just, this is just the way he thinks. Um, obviously, it's ridiculous. More white people are killed by police officers than black people, um, you know, not percentage-wise, but overall, I mean, there's, like, it, it is not a, a cataclysmic um, number. Um, it is, uh, it's, this is all completely blown out of proportion. It goes back to all those arguments we had when we were talking about Colin Kaepernick back in the day. Um, but it is a bizarre, he is just a bizarre dude. I mean, that is a weird approach to that story, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, what are you talking about? Like, none of the things you're saying are true. He has to know it. And he keeps coming back to this thing. I, to steal a line from uh, Charles C.W. Cook, I thought he boiled this down perfectly, which is, like, the, the, the Democratic voters seem to want to make Joe Biden the nominee, but Joe Biden won't go along with it. Yeah. Like he's doing everything he can to lose this race, and he may actually succeed. No, he won't. You don't think? No, I don't think so at all. I, you, you met, you saw something else in that clip was that everyone was just cheering him on. Like, his base okay. knows, knows who he is. But this was at a, I think this was, it was an African-American event. I believe. He, and he does polls incredibly well. Which is so well. bizarre yeah. to me because Much. if you look at the Democratic presidential candidates, he's the one who has, if you look at all of the maybe like semi-racist statements <laughs> he's got made the in the past, he's the leader in that. I so know. how is it that they flock to him? he's just tied to Barack Obama so closely still. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, look at, like, I mean, he blows away Kamala Harris and Cory yeah. Booker and other, you know, African-American candidates. Joe Biden's the guy, and I think it's just because of that association. They see that as a very positive association. I will say also, it's early, right? Like, yeah. you know, he in the early states, Joe is not doing as well. I mean, he's not really winning these early states. Um, he is doing still very well nationally, winning about half the polls, and he has not really dropped off in his national polling number. It's held steady. It's just that Warren has picked up votes from Sanders, mm-hmm. um, so she surpassed him in some of those polls. But his, his national polling is fine. Uh, whether the he needs to win one of these early states, he's not he's not raising money well, and you know he's he's a gaff gaff machine, which is a big problem. He, he pulls he, he always loses numbers. He pulls lower right after he he does any of these like national debates. So <laughs> you know, like, and that's I know, but that what's funny though that's kind of my point on this is like any every time he can just shut up and go away. You know what I mean? And there's mm-hmm. like an, even if he says something stupid like this, and there's time for the smoke to kind of go down. They just in the end, middle America is not voting for a socialist. They're just not going to do it. So I, I think what I, if but I'm Elizabeth him. Warren says she's a capitalist. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my god. I mean, to us, but really, do you think the average American understands that? Because you look at the average American who, you know, they look at Medicare for all. They look at what socialism actually, you know, or they should be looking at what it actually means. But they don't understand it. They don't understand what all of these terms mean. They don't understand what it leads to. What was to. that poll that just came out? Was it 50, 51% of millennials say that they're going to vote for a socialist in, the, in, this, in this election? Mm. And there's all, But we know that 66% of millennials don't even know what socialism is. Exactly. Right. exactly. <laughs> and that's what the socialists running are banking on. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're banking on it. They don't know what socialism really is. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think you'll see. It's interesting. One, one thing that keeps coming up in these debates, and it'll be interesting if it changes at all, is Elizabeth Warren not admitting that she, she's going to raise taxes on the middle class for her Medicare for all plan. I mean, it's the same plan as Bernie. Um, largely. And they'll, she, over, they'll go down overall. Yeah, they'll go down, costs will go down overall. She will not avoid it. It's really uncomfortable. <laughs> she is protecting that line to try to be able to come back and say she's a capitalist. She's protecting the line to try to 
to be able to come back if she wins the nomination and say, no, I'm not going to raise taxes on the middle class. Now, she's going to be lying for sure. Mm. But Bernie's just like, the one thing you like about Bernie is like, yeah, of course I'm going to raise taxes on the middle class. Yes. You know, I mean, and so I, you like that from him. She's smart enough, I think, to know. Now, don't say the socialist word. Avoid that. Say, I'm, I'm a responsible <clears throat> capitalist. Avoid saying you're going to raise taxes on the middle class when everyone on earth knows you're going to. She's trying to do that to, to win over enough people who aren't paying attention. And I don't know if it's going to work, but that's definitely the, seemingly the strategy. You know, you talk about Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. The one thing that those two have in common is they both are who they say they are. They campaign on really what I believe they believe in. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders, he, he, he believes everything he's pushing. I don't like any of it, but at least yeah. he's not a phony. He yep. really believes in what he's doing. Elizabeth Warren, the Cory Bookers, the Kamala Harris, they're all phonies. Yeah. They don't believe in what they're doing. Sometimes they don't even know half the things which they're campaigning on. What's scary to me is I think that even if, let's say, let's say Biden became president, I'm still scared to death over that. For one, we've covered before, he's no moderate. Um, he's definitely no moderate. That's like one of the big lies of this thing, that he's the moderate candidate, which is not true. But I was just... Well, comparatively speaking, yeah. he's the, probably the most moderate, which just says, you know... I mean, if anyone has a chance, I think that's probably true. I mean, they, just to put a number on it, they, they estimate uh, Bernie Sanders' spending over the next 10 years in increased spending at $97 trillion. They, they estimate Biden's at $4 trillion. That's still insane. Like we have to understand adding $4 trillion of new spending is completely nuts. But it is a big difference. But but the establishment right now is, I don't even, I don't think they're being completely vocal. Like the the establishment, the people that are supposed to be in the middle, I don't think they're being altogether truthful on what they really want. And it's something else I was doing for Glenn. I was looking into a speech from Hillary just from like six months ago. And she was giving a speech in Oxford and she was saying things that they, it it had something completely different. It was something about you know, community organizing in other parts of the world or something like that, something stupid. And then, but she did one point part where she talked about American politics. And she said, we need to push for things like, and I was like, okay, let's hear it. Universal basic income, uh, Medicare for all. That's no surprise we knew they were going for that. Then she goes on talking about other things like wealth taxes. That's you only will hear the only person with the you know with the stones to actually say that would be like, you know, Warren and Sanders. Mm -hmm. But this is coming from Hillary Clinton supposedly in the middle of the establishment of the Democratic Party. Yep. So I think no matter who becomes president, those are the types, the things that you hear bravely spoken of from Warren and Sanders, they're going to start probably trying to do these little backdoor deals to get it done. Yeah, and you see in the debates when they disagree with Warren and Sanders on those points, their only disagreement is we could never get that done right now. Yeah. Like, we'll there, get it done eventually, yeah. but not right now. Is there any way Hillary Clinton comes back? <laughs> you know, I don't think she's coming back. I, I, a lot of people do, though. I mean, it's yeah. definitely like a... I mean, and I understand why they're saying it. it. She signals that right? she's out yeah. there a lot. She talks about this stuff a lot. Though I think part of that is like chicken egg here. Like she's got a book out. She's doing interviews. No one mm-hmm. cares about what her book is about. So they're all asking her questions about the 2016 election, which forces her to answer. And then those clips get pushed out there. I don't think she is dumb enough to run. However, <laughs> I, that's a that's I, there's a, a bit of a leap of faith. Her in ego, that, uh, though. No, I know. Her ego. What do you think? I think there is a chance. I, I think there is a chance that she could come back. I mean, I know that's not really going out on a huge limb. No, I mean, it's Hillary Clinton, right? <laughs> she made a living running for office and losing. You look at some of these like prediction markets. You know, like uh, you know, will Hillary Clinton win like the Florida primary? Is like ten percent, and it's like. Right. She's not even running. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like people definitely think she's she might jump back into this thing. I tend to think that that's a nice easy ten percent gain. That's the way I'm looking at that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but maybe she will run, and and uh, I mean that would be a, 
it would make our lives really fun. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it really would. Say, it like, would be awesome. And our lives are already there. pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. 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 Gotta stock up on alcohol. Better, for those. better chance of the election rescue, Hillary or Michelle? I think Hillary. Mich- I, really? I think Hillary would is now. more likely to run, but Michelle's much more likely to win. I mean, if yeah. she were to jump into this, she'd immediately jump into, I think, a place where she'd be the favorite among Democrats. I don't think that's true with Hillary. <laughs> oh uh, I think Hillary she would be ran an aneurysm. <laughs> I know, I know. But don't you think? I mean, I, I you know, it, I it's can't un- stand it's, either one of oh, them. Oh, me neither. But and it's unclear whether Michelle Obama can live up and, and stand up to these type of stuff that goes on in a campaign as the focus. Yeah. We've never seen that before. Um, but I, I don't know if she could. But I bet she'd jump in there with a lead. And, and she jumps in as one of the most popular figures in politics, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, her approval ratings are in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Now, that changes when you become a candidate. You know, we, Hillary's approval ratings were really high when she was Secretary of State. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think she'd have a better chance of winning. Uh, Hillary... The Democratic Party does not like Hillary Clinton. They look at her as this person who had the worst. She was responsible for, like, the worst thing that's ever happened in our country, in their view. Right. Like (laughs) Donald Trump being elected is like the worst (laughs) cataclysm that's ever happened in human history. And she's the dope that lost to it. (laughs) Right. Like they don't they don't look back at her fondly. Oh, I wish she won. It would have been great. They look back at her. How did she blow that? And I don't think that they want her any piece of her back in this race. Yeah. Uh, earlier in the show, we talked about, you know, why can't we just come together for just one thing? Let's let's just all agree on just this one thing. Uh, unite just for like 10 seconds. Here's another doozy for you. President Donald Trump was awarded the Bipartisan Justice Award by a group of uh, black leaders. This was the 2020 Bipartisan Justice Center. It was founded in 2015 by there's 20 Republicans and 20 Democrats. So equal Right. So he received this award for his criminal justice reform, the First Step Act, of course. And there were a bunch of Democrats that were supposed to attend the festivities, including Biden, Warren, Sanders, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg and Cory Booker. But Kamala Harris decided that she was going to boycott the weekend festivities because Trump was going to be there. So she said were the others planning on going. Uh, Yes. Yes. So she said today when it became clear Donald Trump would receive an award after decades of celebrating mass incarceration, pushing the death penalty for innocent black Americans, rolling back police accountability measures. This is incredible coming from her and racist behavior that puts people's lives at risk and then learned all but 10 Benedict students are excluded from participating. I cannot in good faith be complicit in papering over his record. Mm. Look, Interesting was, coming from her. She's very desperate at this point, right? She's trying to make news. She's trying to stand out from everybody else. There's, what a turnaround. Yeah, she was like a rock star for, what, a couple months? Yeah, I mean, yeah. but, you know, she, like, as we said on the show, yeah, it was about, about a month. I mean, she, you know, she's probably up to second, maybe even third for a while and has fallen back to fourth or fifth. The I was um, that girl. That was the moment. That was the moment. And, and as we said at the time, like, the problem with Kamala Harris right now is the her entire run is based on that moment. Mm-hmm. And if you, you can't, continually bust out gigantic debate wins. That's not the way this works. You have to be consistent and good at the rest of your campaign, which she has not been. She's not been shown that she's been capable of doing that. Um, but, like, it is, you see now she's getting into this Beto territory. This is a Beto move, right? Mm-hmm. This is the type of move Beto would do. He'd be the one who's out there protesting. I mean, if you actually cared about criminal justice reform, they were able to get the biggest package done they've ever been able to get done working between Van Jones and Donald Trump. 
mm-hmm. like Kim Kardashian and Jared Kushner. Mm-hmm. Like this is the ultimate bipartisan thing. And if you actually cared about you know moving those things forward, you would you would be cheering this on. It's the one thing you'd like about Donald Trump's presidency. Instead, they criticize him because it's not about criminal justice reform. It's about them. I got nervous at that moment that they were going to realize that they could probably get a lot more stuff done that we, as like very, very conservatives, wouldn't like. Mm -hmm. And I was like, who else is going to follow? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't don't know, like Brzezinski or somebody like that would like approach him and say, hey, we've been really wanting to do something like this. Would you work with George Clooney, you know, to Mm -hmm. get this done? He probably would. I know, and that was was scaring the death of me. But what's absolutely insane is they didn't. They thought that hashtag resist was the way to go. Like, what are you thinking? I'm old enough to remember when people actually uh, campaigned on talking to the other side of the aisle. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yes. Doesn't happen Doesn't. anymore. The Tip O'Neill, Ronald Reagan days are gone, yeah. and and most millennials have no idea who those two people are <laughs> that I even mentioned. Right? How sad is that? Um, this just goes to show you what we're up against. It's just uh, the resist hashtag at all costs. They can't give him any credit whatsoever, and so they're going to go after publicity stunts. And to your point. These leaders of the Democratic Party, the socialist Americans that we see today, do not care about the people they are campaigning for. They do not care about you. None of us. They don't care about us, certainly. They don't care about their constituents at all. All they care about is power and expanding government because the bigger government gets, the more power they have. I mean, look at Christine Blasey Ford. Yeah. I mean, she was just, they abused. cared so much about her being abused, and then the second that Kavanaugh thing's over, they never talk about her again. They you used know, her. They used her, they used her for their done. own gain, and yeah. that's what they do. Completely. Uh, Friday's poll, according to a national survey, 67% of Americans believe that the nation is nearing a civil war. Do you think the nation is close to a civil war? 42% of you said we are in an ideological war. But 34% of you said yes, you do think it's close to a civil war. 24% said no. Jeez. If you add up the we're in an ideological war and yes, that's a lot of people who... uh, who think it's that serious. That's a little bit terrifying. Um, today's poll, President Trump was met with booze in the chant Lock Him Up, as we discussed earlier at the uh, the baseball game in D.C. this weekend. Is the Lock Her or Him Up chant appropriate for either side of the political aisle mm. to use? Now, this is an interesting one. It is, Because yeah. Trump My, started it, we right? We used it. The, right, the, used lock, it. the Lock Her Up was begun by President Trump. What I do you guess think, his so? recency bias wins out here, and uh, because it's <laughs> the Democrats doing it this time, they'll say no. That's yeah. my guess on the yeah. results. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that's probably where it goes. I am just fascinated at the fact that now the left thinks this is completely appropriate after lecturing all of this time and saying how wrong it was and how terrible it was to do this to someone who could be president of the United States. Now when it is president of the United States and they're doing it, it's completely fine. Do you think it makes a difference, though, if you've actually committed a crime to say lock her up <laughs> compared to someone who's never really committed a crime? Mm. That's I, a great point. I, I, yeah, it's interesting. It's probably their justification, too, right? Like they're saying, oh, it's just a bunch of emails as compared to what he's done. Like it's probably what they're <laughs> I mean, I guess I would prefer no, probably uh, either on either side. If I had a choice. I don't, however, and people get to do whatever the hell they want. So, yeah, Jason, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't like saying it either, but it's just it, it was a reflection of the frustration of yeah. people like of constantly getting away with stuff, scandal after scandal after scandal. Like, what the heck are you supposed to do for anyone to seriously investigate what the Clintons have been doing? Do I mean, you, I get, I get it, but do, do you think it's different saying it at a rally of the candidate that you support? 
than saying it at a baseball game where the actual person is that you're that you're talking about. Does that make a difference at all? It's interesting. I don't think so. I mean, I think you could certainly make the argument that both of them are done with a smile, right? Like, I don't like. Look, we all know that uh, that uh, Donald Trump was not going to lock Hillary Clinton up as. Uh, shown I, think here, a lot of, I think some people actually thought that. I think you probably think some people did, but the <laughs> bottom line is he has it, right? <laughs> he has control of this process and yeah. at least a lot of influence on it and has not done that, right? I mean, right. and I think the same thing goes here. I think there, there is a part of uh, all of this that is just like people being wise asses, right? right? Like they think it's fun and they think it's funny to bother them and get under their skin. You know, I think we can take that stuff a little bit too seriously. And that's what the media did last time, by the way. It's why I don't take this all that seriously yeah, right. with, this, with this game. I mean, like, it's a bunch of drunk people freaking screaming things. <laughs> lobbyists. You get, a bunch yeah, of drunk, bunch drunk lobbyists. lobbyists. Right. <laughs> Great point. Uh, let us know what you think. You can go to The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. Thank we'll you. see you tomorrow. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I mean, I, you're no, welcome. I do. I just want you to know it's not just, it's not just for the show. I really? really in my heart. He's grateful. Oh. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.